0: Content warning. The following episode contains descriptions of colonial violence. Welcome to 99Questions, where we try to decipher current discussions around restitution, colonialism and a relationship between museums and civic society. I'm your host Feven, and yes, you've heard right, we're accompanying the 99Questions discussion series at the Humboldt Forum. Aside from giving you a quick summary that also features my impression of the points being discussed, we will also give you more insights by providing you with interviews and conversations featuring guests from all walks of life, whose expertise, work, and interests are connected to our podcast. This week's episode deals with the kickoff event status quo, Colonial Collections in European Museums, which took place on April 15th. You will hear a brief recap of the kickoff event. And later, I'm delighted to introduce you to our guests, Art Historian Malik Njiaye and Ethnologist Sharon McDonald, who are here to give us more insight on colonial collections. Once again, welcome to 99 Questions and let's start with the recap.
1: Meine sehr geehrten Damen und Herren, liebe Gäste. After a brief
0: introduction by the Humboldt Forum's General Director Hartmut Dogolu, we were welcomed by presenter Prasanna Ummen. My name is Prasanna Ummen,
2: I'm a moderator, author and communication consultant and I usually work Prasanna described
0: feelings of nervousness and, and recalls being overwhelmed when it comes to the controversy and the debates surrounding the Humboldt Forum.
2: There is no cultural institution in Germany that has triggered as much controversy, resistance and rejection. To make it short, a heavily loaded building of power worth 700 million euro taxpayers' money, the refusal to return the Benin bronzes, the Savoy-Sar report, then the surprising announcement that the matter of restitution of the bronzes should be supposedly solved within this year followed by the mention from the Minister of State for Culture that empty spaces in our exhibitions would also be okay because after all,
0: it could contextualize our history. Seriously? The Humboldt Forum claims that it wants to create an inclusive conversation aimed at people in and outside its doors, or as they said, in their own words, We want to set a multi
2: dialogue in motion inside and outside the Humboldt Forum as Mr. Dogan just One of the main said.
0: points of the discussion revolved around dealing with colonial collections and their long-term consequences, especially considering the future roles of museums containing looted art. In the same vein, Uman mentions the need to discuss colonial crimes, theft, appraisal, the need or lack of critical self-reflection, and their involvement in neocolonialism, both claims for institutions like the Humboldt Forum. This is obviously the
2: only way to build the Humboldt Forum into. A learning
0: institution. Learning institution? For whom exactly? It's my pleasure to introduce Professor Dr. Wiebke Arndt. The first guest she that Prasanna Um introduced is Wiebke Arndt, who has been working as the director of the Übersee Museum Bremen for 21 years she now. She is with us today because
2: she has also led the publication of two seminal guidelines issued by
0: the Deutsche Museumsbund. The Haji Malik the second guest of the kick event, will also be featured later in our episode. He's a trained curator, theorist and art historian. He's also the new head of the Department of Museums at the Institut yeah, Fondamental in d'Afrique Noire at the University yeah. Sheikh Antadiop uh, of Dakar, saint Emmanuel Casserou is a curator and president of the caire Brandy Jacques Chirac Museum in Paris. Well, thank you very much and uh Lars Christian Koch is the director of the Asian Art Museum, the Ethnological Museum and the collections at the Humboldt Forum here in Berlin. Welcome Lars, it's a pleasure to meet He's also you a professor for Ethnomusicology at the University of Cologne and has also been appointed an honorary professor by the University of Arts Berlin.
1: The Humboldt Forum as a building is Not contested. I would say it's challenging.
0: It is critical to realize that language can be both an open and closed door. What I'm trying to describe here is a frequent phenomenon in discussions of the cultural sector, as presenter Prasanna Um has outlined during the event. The vocabulary used in these discourses is oftentimes very academic, formal, and contributes to a lack of transparency. Um, Malik, I noticed
2: in many panels and events in the past years, whenever we discuss transformations in off museums, of theatres, wherever in the cultural field, the language suddenly becomes very formal, very technical. In German we call it Fachsprech. And it seems a little bit like a red herring, a strategy of distraction, like you said in our preliminary talk, Malik. What Can you tell me what does it actually mean when we name a collection colonial? Is it the context of injustice, which is important to the label? Or is it simply the fact that these collections, whether looted or not, belong to the countries
0: of origin? Malik commented how the question is both easy and difficult, mainly because we have to realize that there's a wide array of facts, and I quote Malik here, that contribute to making us say so. It is crucial for us to understand that these objects are set in the colonial context of domination.
3: ...domination in which Africans were stripped of their property, they, and because they did not have the right to say a single word, nor to express themselves and could not decide on anything. They were not asked their opinion on what to do. These objects are collected in this context of inequality.
0: Power relations. They were modeled and not considered when the actors, meaning people who collect and collected these items, acquired them violently. What I also found interesting and important is the fact that these museums were established at a time in which the colonial power's prime focus was the economic exploitation of resources and their connections to sectors like the mining industry. As a result of this, Malik explained how this translated into the museum's focus on disciplines such as archaeology. I'd recommend you to listen to his answer on YouTube as he concisely describes the connections of economic colonial interests, exploitation, and their developmental influence on academic disciplines such as ethnology and ethnography. I really like how he emphasized the links between all of these aspects as they all demonstrate the unequal power relations between the colonizer and the colonized. He also explained how many people in his country say that these objects don't necessarily need to be brought back, because, in their opinion,
3: object cannot be transformed. Mm-hmm. So
0: these objects were outside and were put into a new context and interpreted differently. That's why these objects have to be reintegrated into society. For example, I'm very curious to ask Malik how these resocializations can look like. Stay tuned to hear more on this later in the episode. I think
3: that the the less militant way to do it, it's probably to uh, uh, address the question, a case by case and situation by
1: situation.
0: Both Emmanuel Caseru and Wiebke Ahn emphasized that the process of restitution should take time and be dedicated to detail. Yes, of
1: course. I mean, um, it's,
3: it's really that a lot of people are waiting that something happens, and it's quite difficult to explain that things take time.
0: Most of what Emmanuel and Wiebke Ahn said about case by case analyses and work on guidelines didn't incite enough criticism for me. I don't have the impression that the status quo was taken issue with, really. Among Wiebke's statements, her call for quicker answers around Germany's colonial history stood out the most to me.
3: Especially here in Germany, my impression is that we took a long time to realize that we have a colonial past and that we have a colonial heritage um, where we have to talk about and we have to find solutions. But now we we discovered that we suddenly want to have the answers very, very fast.
0: Lars-Christian Koch underlined how for him, as well as for source communities, Transparency is key when entering the negotiation process of restitution.
1: And the ideal museum for me would be a much more open house in cooperation, mm-hmm. topic you were just addressing several times today. Uh, cooperation with all our partners, source communities, stakeholders, just name them. In the house, working on the collection, finding solutions for the future perspectives of all these objects we have in.
0: After leaving the kickoff, there were still unanswered questions in my head. Some of the guest statements resonated with me, but most of them created even more questions and fuzzy, unclear thoughts in my head. You probably wondered who could answer some general questions around the topic. Let's hear what our guests for this episode, Malik Jiaye, and Sharon McDonald, have to say. It's time to get some deeper insights from one of our guests uh, for this week's episode. Sharon MacDonald is a professor, anthropologist, museologist, and currently teaches at the Institute of European Ethnology at Humboldt University. Um, Sharon, welcome to 99 Questions. We're happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm very pleased to be here. Sharon, while I was watching the first event, I had to think about how ideas of national identity are connected to museums like the Humboldt Forum. Um, Historically museums have been important elements of nation-state building and national identity in Western societies, so what has been the role of ethnological museums in the construction of Germany's national identity and how does the Humboldt Forum play a role in this? Yeah,
1: German national identity is always a funny thing at all sorts of different points in history. And when ethnological museums were created, and there's always a bit of a question, when do we count? But if we have the earlier collecting activities, but when they sort of formulated themselves into museums, it was partly also matters of different parts of Germany, the different Länder, the different states, trying to show how cosmopolitan they were because they could collect from uh, many places in the world. On the one hand, that played in in some ways two senses of Germanness, but also differences between different cities and at the same time ideas about being worldly. When we come to the Humboldt Forum, that space where it is built, that location, is one that was very important for that for the 1871 unification of Germany. So Germany as a nation, the first emperor of Germany was there in that that Schloss, that palace, on on the space that the Humboldt Forum now is. And after reunification, that became such a symbolic site for the new Germany and for the new German unification. Now, at one level, you could kind of see what's going on there by saying, let's rebuild the thing that was there with the first German unification by making it a replica of the imperial palace. That was the kind of nostalgic reconstructive move. But it's also a really problematic move for reasons that many people have pointed out. So on the one hand, it does this historical jumping back, which at the same time deletes, in effect, the the histories in between, and especially that of the German Democratic Republic. So while it's about unification, there's some sense in which it's at the same time dispossessing certain people of their past. Also, going back to the time of the uh, imperial Germany, the first Deutsches Reich, which Straight after that became the uh, Deutsches Kolonialreich as well, or part of bound up with that. It also is going back to those histories, so that's also very problematic.
0: So one thing that always strikes me during um, about these discussions surrounding national identity and the Humboldt Forum is that um, I was thinking about like the growth um, or progressiveness that the Humboldt Forum wants to. Sh- they want to show us that they're invested into um, these aspects. And now we heard about the restitution of the Benin Bronzes, for example. And um, on the Internet, you see on Twitter, you see memes where people are comparing Germany's planned returns of the Benin Bronzes with the U.S. or U.K. And um, that was very interesting to me because um, as somebody who grew up here, who is a, racial, a black person, who is a racialized person, um, I always used to compare Germany's um, discussions about like museums, national identity, race. And I used to compare them with the UK or the US. And it always felt to me like um, Germany was behind everybody. Germany is trying to catch up. Now we have this huge step, um, the return of these bronzes. But where does that leave us? Where do we go from here? What do you think do Germans, uh, Germany's uh,
1: museums have to implement to stay on that track? I agree with what you say, that I think that previously Germany was not so progressive as certain other countries in various ways, particularly in relation to progressive museum developments. I think we have seen enormous change over the last years, and a lot of that has been galvanized by the debates, by the activism around the Humboldt Forum. That move to returning the Benin bronzes is a very significant, very important one. And I think it will also put pressure on other countries. There could be a risk that you do one big thing and leave it at that. And that becomes like, but we did that and that's enough. That would be very disappointing if that's what happens
0: so you mentioned how activists were also being vocal about these issues and they were also the strongest uh, critics of um, the Humboldt Forum and, and not only the Humboldt Forum but all yeah, museological institutions and this push towards mainstream discussion reminds me how people of color in this country are... are um, not trying to tone down or diminish their positions and opinions on these topics, but they are the ones who are also responsible for this growth and progressiveness that I just attributed towards the Humboldt Forum, or the way the Humboldt Forum, I think, maybe likes to think of itself. And that all of this reminded me um, of Stuart Hall, who once said that cultural national identities are always subjected to transformation to change they're always in flux they're never fixed and i think this is something that a lot of people especially people that are racialized already know or like notice because we grew up here we were born here but i think the white majority society in germany still grapples with this idea and i think these aspects can be seen in these discussions around the Humboldt Forum. So maybe you could comment on that or share your thoughts on my um, on my statement.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. I think it has been really important. And I think there's a an energy that's come from activism, a presence, often a creativeness as well in the forms that the activism has taken. So there has been a long-time activism around some of these questions, From other parts of the world, though, as well. So, Maori people for a really long time now have been actively going around the world, meeting museum curators, discussing with them, and so on. I suppose I'd also say sometimes, yeah, I mean, you do get activists within academia, you do get activists within museums without at all taking away from other activists. Sometimes those categories can overlap a bit as well. So, Mm. What we've seen, I think, is a coming together of some of those, which is creating extra energy, and that's why we're seeing not just change in terms of the questions about return, which are very important, but also just about how museums should operate, what should they be doing, who should be involved in things, and all those are really important questions to make sure get to be fully part of the debate and not just for a brief moment. They need to be, and that's, I think, coming back to that nice point by Stuart Hall, we can't just let things settle into one settled state because identities, society, these are in transformations. There are new challenges and new times and so on. Museums can't just become frozen arcs of one thing at one time they need to keep moving as well your work also deals with questions
0: around colonial heritage right and in its consequential responsibilities so I thought um, this question from the audience is very interesting Um, they asked what's the role of collective colonial guilt in the
1: exhibition practices of Humboldt Forum?" I mean I don't I can't speak for the Humboldt Forum and the making processes because, yeah, I don't know them in detail. I have had glimpses into certain parts of that. I think what I'd say more generally though is that if there are things that are motivated by colonial guilt, I don't see that as a bad thing if it's producing effects and so on. What I've looked at in previous work is how Germany has dealt with its uh, Nazi past. And that was undoubtedly driven a lot by guilt, also by a very, very strong sense of this must never happen again, and a feeling of educational imperative. And I think that was absolutely a good development. Certainly, in some of the moves, there was evasiveness or trying to just do something to show you've done something and not really addressing the questions, and especially those are possible continuations into post-war society and so on. But that move to what doing what I call um, addressing difficult heritage, so kind of being public and open about your own national dirty washing, which most countries don't really want to do. Germany began that in many ways before other countries in relation to the Nazi past. So, looking at the atrocity, looking at your nation as a perpetrator. And I think that has created a foundation for Germany to do that again and to look at how it was done in that case. Yeah, it was driven by um, guilt and so on, but so it should have been in many ways, yeah, uh, addressing addressing that. I think we can look at those, uh, what what happened in those cases too, to also see where sometimes there's kind of like containment so that you don't really address the questions, but you look like you are and so on, as well, of course, as recognising what's different in this case. So each history, each difficult heritage also has its own particular dimensions that we really have to know about.
0: It is very crucial that you've mentioned Germany's Nazi past and the way Germany um, in a post-war era um, started to deal with it um, in terms of education or re-education or the Entnazifizierung. For me, when I look at these things, there are connections and continuities in our present, in our future and in our past, in our past because... A lot of the practices um, that were used in order to organize the genocide against um, Jews and many other minorities in Europe. These ideas, they started uh, during Germany's colonial era in Namibia, where um, the Kaiserreich killed um, uh, the Herero Nama. And um, the, the main ideas on how to Plant a genocide were done there. And um, you mentioned how there were some possible continuities into post-war Germany, and there's proof for that in the past because, I mean, we had a chancellor in Germany. um, His last name was Kiesinger, and he was um, part of the NSDAP regime. So now we're experiencing this growth or progressiveness in one hand when it comes to institutions in Germany, but then we also have this popularization of right-wing ideology and ideas uh, sweeping throughout Europe. Just all just shows me how urgent these discussions are, how everything is just interconnected and um, that we have to deal with these questions now and not, um, you know, not thinking oh we returned to benin bronzes now we have done everything <laughs> now
1: um yeah i totally agree with you there and it, it shows as well that y- you need to keep working at those pasts because there are often dimensions that people have not brought out into the public awareness and so on and those play a particular role today in relation to yeah particular debates and so on and i think The point you make about the right-wing ideologies that grow and gain hold, and at this moment, they're very strong and seem to be strengthening in many parts of the world. And I think it's all the more important, yeah, that we really think about what we can do and not just think about it, but do something. And that's where I think museums can play a role there. And it's, I mean, what we see in certain countries, if we look at, say, Poland at the moment is that museums are targeted by uh, right-wing regimes and certain directors are getting the sack and so on because I think it's realized that those are potentially important places for talking about history but when we're talking about history we're never just talking about the past we're talking about things that are seen to matter now and today.
0: This is something we have to think about critically and actually like you just said do something instead of just talking um thank you for your thoughts and for answering these uh, questions
1: and thank you for taking your time today sharon thank you very much fave and i enjoyed the conversation and it was really genuinely really great to talk with you
0: Our second guest for today, El-Haji Malik Ndiaye, is a trained curator, theorist and art historian. He's also the new head of the Department of Museums at the Institut Fondamental d'Afrique Noire at the University Sheikh Anta of Dakar, Senegal, and is also the Secretary General of the International Council of Museums, ICOM Senegal. Welcome to 99 Questions, Malik.
3: Thank you, thank you so much, Fivan.
0: Malik, we're happy to have you here on the 99 Questions podcast. I have a million questions about this topic, but I had to boil it down to a few. In a panel discussion, you mentioned the idea of the re-socialization of objects. Could you tell us a little bit more about your understanding of it and how this idea could offer a more transparent and transformative approach to museums and objects?
3: Thank you so much, Fabian. Um Thank you for inviting me to discuss on this question and uh, many other ones that are related um, to answer to this question of resocialization, we should come back a little on history because these objects have left the continent many years ago. And they have also left empty space that are inhabited by the ghosts of their absence. They have become the diaspora, as John Pifford said, So they bring the soul of the country and carry dream and hope. But these objects are also witnesses of fear and anxiety. They carry within them certainty and uncertainty. In all cases, they have had new meaning. Their nature have been altered. The accessories have disappeared. The color have changed. And this long travel has broad new interpretation. So resocializing objects in this context mean putting them back into context and environment that gives them a soul. It is to put them back in ritual or in museum. The object can just have several ways of being resocialized according to the material and according to the context. But it is sure that object can return to ritual if society thinks them necessary. It is important to know that in many societies, masks have less and less not this very central place uh, in the various ritual. But even in society where the Islamic religion is strongly established, this fact is not enough to discredit heritage object because religions uh, has always lived with this object. So, a re-socializing object mean exhibiting them in museums also to reconcile them with society. The exhibit object will generate new surprises, new encounters, new exchange. They are... They will be reappropriated by the community and become again reference in their imaginary, their imagination also, and awake new myths. This requires the creation of cultural mediation program in museum, for example, around object that place them in an interaction with the community. Resocializing the object means putting them under the fire of criticisms and in the like of uh, academic research also. This re-socialization brings them into a new regime of heritage. Because, you know, the Western conception of heritage, which insists more on the material than on the idea and the gesture, take the object as a simple document of the ritual. But the ritual can use a succession of material each of them needs to receive a life in order to fulfill its function. So this, this, this African conception of heritage uh, uh, was not the one that are legitimated by UNESCO. This problem will have consequences in post-colonial museums that have failed to establish a critical and conceptual relationship to the object. Uh, because the modern idea of heritage uh, which is a very, you know, European mentality. We, is, is, is the conception of UNESCO that is formalized, you know, in government museum and in the principle of conservation also. In the process of re-socializing objects, we can make a change because heritage, you know, is a result of a selection. And heritage is a choice of work of a community. Its a conservation and valorization require the investment of people for whom it is supposed to be intended. However, in this precise context, the collection of cultural heritage was made without the concern, nor the request, and even less the opinion of the concerned society. And that's what we are talking about, those objects are uh, outside of Africa, and this is why finally uh, resocializing objects also means decolonizing them, decolonizing the object an archive of history uh, to achieve this this process we can uh, you know co- uh, create some uh, research project around this we can experiment new knowledge through dialogue with contemporary artists. Um, We can also um, welcome in our museum space the knowledge that is coming from the field of activism. You know we can do many things so the process of re-socializing object is very transversal you have the criticism, you have research, you have society, you have cultural mediation. you have, you know, a museum, you have many, many other things. For me, it is very important that these objects come back on the continent and that these objects uh, are resocialized socialized in the process of daily life of society.
0: As many scholars and activists have pointed out, the historical and present dynamics of colonialism, capitalism, and racism are deeply intertwined. In connection to this, could you elaborate on the relationship and the role of museums in human rights and how the latter was affected by it?
3: For this, we should connect this question with the actuality. Uh, with that actuality, we, we see how those points were connected. About this, I'm um, talking about the days of George Floyd that opened a series of protests against racism and for equal justice. The Black Lives Matter movement, which helped, foc- which helped focus the process, uh, emerged in the wake of the civil rights movement, and simultaneously, resume a dense a very dense racial history so this protest quickly was spread in all of the world and spread also to several other countries and this crisis which was right within the general framework of covid 19 pandemic shift to historical and cultural claim regarding the representation of history in the wake of this and considering that the pattern of the past still persists in urban structuring uh, through racist figure and statue and symbol that have solidified the foundation of colonization and slavery the debate on the place of public monument has been discussed so public monuments also are cultural heritage so it has arisen in the United States, in Europe, and in Africa, where figure of colonialisms persist in the public square and street name. However, these artifacts that reactivated racisms are also figure of our heritage, of our history, and of our memory. And um, so their place is a problem about the role of cultural heritage and its selection in, in relation to history. And that's why the, the question of uh, what we call debunked heritage, or debunked heritage statue, raised the place of memory in our society. And it's linked to morality and human rights, as well as equality in the representation of history. So the connection is, you know, is that the growing proximity between heritage, social justice, and human rights is explained by a simple equation. For example, the restitution of cultural heritage expressed the freedom of African people to freely dispose of object of their object with a historical and memorial dimension those objects that are created by their ancestors. It needs also the right to decide on the sign and the symbol represented in the place of memory, and whose speech, whose discourse, do not that glorify racism or discrimination in the face of history, because we have many discourses that uh, make discrimination um, between people. So, these old debates bring into play the way of relating to the heritage according to the context, since its definition is only a way, we make relationship to each society, you know but because heritage is for society a way to see themselves through history. So heritage is a consequence of a choice and a selection, resulting from the way. A society choose to connect itself to history and a way of seeing the past. It is certain that everywhere in the world today, the meaning of heritage is you know, evolving. But this evolution must be linked to the social cause and human rights, social justice and human rights, and the will to change the world, relying uh, one symbol, uh, one specific representation, and the true meaning of history. So it is a need. The, so the need of human rights and the need that museum change are linked. This context also highlights the institution that uh, make the conservation uh, and, uh, of heritage. Uh, the need to, for example, redefine the museum, for example must be placed in the global context that connect the relationship to history human right and the evolution of the notion of heritage because the the different definition given to to the museum by Ecom during all its history reset the place the place that the institution in charge of conservation occupy in society moreover in the general context it is easier understand the correlation between issues related to social activism and those relating to the museum institution if you analyze our contemporary history we see that human rights and social justice activism is deploying new kind of knowledge in the museum space and this indicate a serious crisis in our society because activisms lies between the world of science. For me, activisms bring alternative knowledge and the world of direct action in which curating works. For example, the activisms around the human remains preserved in certain museum or similar institution in Europe. Uh, Interrogate question the future of the conservation of historical heritage. Whose deontology required a moral a, a moral reevaluation of the function? This has raised the question of the role of museum collection and cultural heritage in an epoch where the affirmation of identity is uh, in collapse with artistic and sociocultural engagement. Moreover, the anti-racist movement is very much rooted in the work done on colonial collection that have greatly informed consideration of race. So those questions, that's why I say that those questions are intervened, are connected. Social justice, human rights, the new definition of museum and the need that the society uh, feel to have a new definition of the
0: museum. So you mentioned society's need for different perspectives and fresh takes on the what you described as a new definition of the museum. And I've heard that you're currently in the works of opening a new exhibition that also touches on the links you just made. So maybe you could talk about that a little more.
3: Uh, yes. Um, you know, so I, I think that Museums have a very big role to play in this context of restitution and in the context of society in general. And that's why all the exhibitions we are making in our museum, we try in each exhibition to focus on a question that is a very you know social question. Uh, we have organized many exhibitions here. Uh, the first one was on textile and how the cultural diversity of textile emerged in this continent and how every single textile with his motif and color with his figure reveals some very uncoded knowledge and uh, you know uh, innovation that was very present in traditional uh, you know uh, in the past in Africa and he, today we are preparing now an exhibition on uh, in it is a you know tribute to Amadou matarmo who is the first general director of UNESCO to raise and to put on the table the question of restitution because when African country began to be independent. Earlier, some country like Nigeria and many uh, other uh, intellectuals posed the question of restitution. But every time, it was a question that was dismissed with European country. And I remember in 1976, yes, that in Venice, in Italy, UNESCO organized a very big uh, conference about this question. Two um, years later, June 7, 1978, Amadou Matarbo, who is a Senegalese and ex-minister of Education and Culture in Senegal and who was put at the head of UNESCO, pronounced this very famous discourse. In French, it is pour le retour à ceux qui l'ont perdu d'un patrimoine cultural irremplaçable." So it is for the return of those who uh, lost a very uh, important cultural heritage. And since this discourse, many things was done by many commissions at UNESCO. And at those times, they were very, 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 very... They go very long in the process because they create some model of paper, some model of, uh, you know, canvas that people and country should fulfill in order to facilitate the process of, of restitution. So this person is very important, and that's why in the process of museum change, we try to make an exhibition of remembering uh, you know, that address these crucial debates uh, and put it on the table. Um, and the pretext here is Amadou Matarmo. So our museum try to, to do many, many things uh, in order to be in the context of actuality. And one of these is uh, this exhibition that we will open in 18 May at the occasion of the International Day of Museum and at the occasion also of the return, not the restitution, but the return of many objects that we loan to the museum du Quay Brownie because we loaned many objects uh, in the few past year and all those objects are returning now so it is n- different from restitution. It is only a loan that, you know, is returning to the museum. So we have all this occasion to reopen the museum, which was uh, um, closed during one year. And this occasion, we'll share it with the private of Amadou Matambo.
0: On to the last question. In a previous conversation we had together, you mentioned that the topics many museums deal with today are very similar. Their way of understanding approaching um, and arguing for topics such as provenance and restitution can, however, be totally diverging. What's your take on that?
3: Yes, very, very, very very short here. I I think that I I was talking about provenance and I would not like to have a very dark comprehension of what provenance, you know, uh, would like to express. I was talking about provenance research, and I should say that provenance research is a very good thing. Because museums have to research objects all the time, and museums have to do research. It's very important for our institution. And and provenance research also is important for scholar, for university, and for society also. But what, and, and many museums, work on this now in many, many European museums. But we should know that all objects were not taken in the same context, you know? And many of them were well-documented. So museums know where these objects are coming from, come from. museum know, because museums have many, many objects. and. Uh, many of them have no documentation, but we have many objects on which we have very deep documentation. Not all objects need to be passed through the provenance research program waiting in the room in uh, before being restituted because we will have a question of uh, temporality and and that's why I say that if we enter in this global regime of provenance have the uh, you know first condition every time the, uh, and systematically to restitute provenance research look like become look like a strategy for not returning object and that's why many 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 museums are working on this our museum is working on this also, and that's why I say that the approaching and arguing, uh, you know, um, uh, the question of provenance, um, are, maybe are similar, but we have many divergence uh, according museum. So it is not the principle of provenance. It is not the principle of provenance research. It is to not put the provenance research has the systematical condition everywhere and to say, okay, wait the time of your church and we have million and million objects. Wait and wait and wait. So it will not be uh, uh, possible. So Provident Church began to be a strategy for not returning objects.
0: Thank you, Malik, uh, for being a guest on our podcast. You filled in gaps of knowledge I learned so much today you you kind of unwrapped the very complicated legacy of museums in Europe and their relations to the continent I thank you so much and I hope we can hear you another time
3: thank you so much for inviting me and uh, thank you for doing this it's very important for restitution for this debate and for academic uh, and for scholar and for society.
0: You can find additional links and information to Malik's exhibition in our show notes. This podcast is a production of the Humboldt Forum 2021. We want to thank you, our listeners, our guests Sharon McDonald and Elhaji Malik Ngiaye. And I also want to thank the curatorial team, Michael and Julia and our sound designer, Annelien. See you next time at 99 Questions.